0: John chapter number three, John chapter number three, and we'll be in verse number 16, as I've already mentioned this morning. And I preached a message last Sunday morning from John chapter number th- three, verse 16. I'm uh, pre-ringing a message this morning from John 3:16. And uh, unless the Lord leads me in a different direction, at least the next two Sunday mornings, I'm planning on preaching from John three sixteen, and so we'll read this verse uh, and I'm gonna do something a little bit differently this morning because we have one verse of scripture and it's the same text uh, that we read last week I want us to read it all together this morning and so when I uh, give the indication follow along with me John chapter number three and verse 16 everybody got it if you got to say amen All right, very good. Let's begin reading verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, we're going to look at this verse of Scripture again, uh, this uh, famous verse in the Bible. And I want to draw your attention to one word this morning, and that is the word perish. And this morning, I want to speak on the penalty found in John 3.16. The penalty found in John 3.16. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would lead and guide and direct uh, everything that takes place uh, throughout the rest of the morning. Uh, May He guide my thoughts and so that uh, I'll say what... Uh, would need to be said this morning. Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would be real in the life of uh, every person this morning. Uh, May the redeemed, the saved, who the Spirit indwells this morning, uh, may they be reminded uh, of the horrible, horrible uh, eternity that we have been saved from. Father, if there's one this morning who's never been saved, may uh, the message this morning... Uh, be used in their life so that they call in the name of Jesus. May will be reminded of your love today. May will be reminded uh, of your mercy today. Uh, may Christ be honored, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, we come to John 3.16, uh, which is known as the most famous verse in the Bible. And uh, last week, as I preached from this passage of Scripture, I uh, mentioned and is certainly true. Uh, I don't think it's changed from last week to this week. John three sixteen that scripture reference uh, shows up in the most unusual places. Uh, many who don't own a Bible know of John three sixteen. Uh, many who's never even opened the Bible know of John three sixteen. Uh, certainly, anybody who's familiar with the Bible or spiritual things or, or church uh, is familiar with John chapter three verse sixteen. Now, last Sunday we spoke of the significance. You cannot read John 3.16, you cannot be aware of John 3.16 without being aware of the word love, the fact that God so loved. And just to very quickly remind us, the reason why that word love in John 3.16 carries so much weight and has so much value to you and I is because of the source of the love, the fact that the Almighty God would love us, the fact that the Almighty God, knowing we would sin still created us the fact that the almighty god knowing we would sin loved us enough to send the one who could pay that payment for us the significance don't ever get over the significance of john 3:16 don't ever get away from the love that is found in john 3:16 because if, if it were true, and I don't believe it's true for anybody, because if you're here today, I love you, you could say that no man loves me, God would still love you. And His love is the love that we ought to treasure more than any other love. But this morning, I will, you know, as I remind everyone to be aware of the significance of the love of God, and I believe everyone needs to hear the message that God loves them. Don't be quick, or don't be... Uh, slow to uh, remind people that God loves them. But in addition to the love found in John 3.16, there's also a penalty. This is why the love is so significant. Often we want to talk about the love of John 3.16, and I've already reminded us of that. We should talk about it. But The reason why the love found in John 3.16 for God so loved the world is so significant, yes, it's because of the source, it's because who it comes from, but it is also because of the penalty found in John 3.16, we realize the value of the love we find in John 3.16. See, if you look with me at verse 16 again, the word perish. You know, whoever believeth in him should not perish. It is important this morning that we look at that word perish. The word perish means to be lost eternally to be sentenced to endless misery. Think about that. If we define love and for God so love the world, it certainly reminds us of the importance of that word. But when we look in context of John 3.16, and it's natural for us to look always through the prism of that word love, but this morning I want us to look at it from the standpoint of the word perish. John 3.16 is significant because of the word love. We've said that. But that word perish to be lost eternally. For John 3.16 is reminding us not just the love of God, but the fact that there is a penalty that has to be paid, and it's not a light penalty that has to be paid. It's to be lost not for a short time. It's not for lost in a temporary manner. It's to be lost eternally. To be lost with no end. It means to be sentenced to endless misery. That word misery can be defined a lot of ways, but we know the word misery enough to know that it's not something that we want to deal with endlessly. That is the penalty found in John 3.16. This is a penalty or a punishment unlike any other penalty known to man. See, John 3.16 tells us of a love unlike any other. And to be honest this morning, if we're honest with one another, it's hard to fully understand the love of God. I'm thankful for it, but I don't truly understand how God can love us the way He loves us. But the other end of the spectrum is also a punishment unlike any other. To perish, to have that endless suffering, is a punishment like man cannot understand. On one extreme, we have the love of God, which is endless, and we really can't fully grasp the love of God. The best we can, based on what God tells us and expresses to us in His Word, we believe in the love of God, we hold to the love of God, we act because of the love of God. But the other end of that spectrum is another extreme, and it's the parish that is spoken of in John chapter 3 verse 16 i'm afraid that often when you see someone holding up a sign that says John 3:16 we always just think of the love and i'm not critical of that but we fail to realize the importance of the penalty that's expressed in John 3:16 because i've already mentioned and i'll mention it again before i get into the outline this morning that you can't fully understand the love without fully understanding the penalty. Because God is a God of love. God is also a righteous God. God is also a God of justice. And there is, God cannot stray from being a God of love, and He cannot change Himself from being a God of justice. So this morning, as we look in the penalty, in that word perish, to be lost eternally, to be sentenced to endless misery, I want to define that word perish in the context of what it means to perish. How does one perish? This morning, I believe we'll be able to give some definition to John 3, 16. Let me say number one, first of all, to perish is the result of the problem. You say, Pastor, what is the problem? The problem is sin. And John 3, 16 reminds, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. Believing in the Son prevents us from perishing, prevents us from being lost eternally. And when, I, when the Bible says lost eternally, you can't praise somebody out of that lost condition. Because truth of the matter is, we would, if that was true, we'd all fall on our faces this morning. We would not get up. To be sentenced to endless misery. Is this because God is a God of hate? No. It is because to perish is the result of the problem. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Everybody in this room, this pastor included, is a sinner. There are two kinds of sinners in the room this morning. Uh, perhaps there's, there's, the, there's the forgiven sinner, and then there's the unforgiven sinner. There's the one who will never perish, and there's the one who will perish, because not because of a God who hates, but because of the problem, and it is sin. Maybe there's one listening this morning who would say, I know in my heart I'm a good person. I know in my heart that I'll be in heaven one day. Let me remind you what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will lie to you. Your heart will deceive you. And friend, I would would be very careful in believing what you feel in your heart when it contradicts what the Bible said, because to perish is to be lost for eternity. Maybe you say in this morning, well, I have my good works. I remind you what Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean things, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. In the sight of God, the best we have the author Offer are filthy rags. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. See, to perish is the result of a sin problem. The penalty for sin is dying. Man dies because of sin. But that word death in Romans 6.23 is also speaking of a death talked about in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. And that's the second death. That's the death where God passes that final judgment and casts the unbeliever, casts the one who never believed into that eternal place of suffering to be lost forever. Why is this something that we must deal with? Why? Because there is a problem that we all have. It crosses all lines. It it covers all races. It It covers all creeds. To perish is a result of the problem of sin. We further get clarity and definition from the penalty this morning by going to statement number two, which says to perish is to go to a real place. Perish, there's a lot of definitions and there's a lot of theories about what happens after a man dies. The Bible gives much clarity to what happens, and in the most famous verse in the Bible, the Bible that even those who don't own a Bible, have never opened a Bible, are aware of, it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish." And to perish is to go to a real place. So what is John 3, 16 saying? If we believe on that only, on the only begotten Son, then we, do not, we will not perish, which is meaning you will not go to a place that is very real. See, in the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, the saved the redeemed, those who believed on himself, the Son of God. But in John three sixteen, perishing is referring to also a real place. In Luke chapter number 16, we find the story of a man who's just referred to as the rich man. The rich man died, and in Luke 16, verse 23, it says, "...and in hell he lift up his eyes." being in torments we get a glimpse of this man who died ignoring the love that is found in this same verse of scripture and he wakes up in a real place this was not a place he was partying with his friends He lift up his eyes, being in torments. The next verse, verse 24, he says, For I am tormented. And he gives greater context to where the torment is coming from. He says, For I am tormented in this flame. See, the parish is to go to a real place, a real place called hell, that has real flames, in real torment. In verse 26 of the same chapter, we find there is a, the words, a great gulf fixed. The Bible gives even more clarity, a little bit more clarity to that place. The same, when you're in that place, you cannot leave and others cannot go to you. You are eternally lost to perish. I'm going to read to you this morning, and I'll not wait on you to get there, but if you want to jot down the reference, Revelation chapter number 20. I begin reading in verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was, no found, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. When this takes place, the Bible says that God will raise up the dead, the small and great, they'll all stand before God. They're going to be judged according to their works. The verse I just read, verse 13 said, And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, those that were dead, and the death and the hell. The rich man will come out of hell along with everybody there. and They'll stand before God. And in verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is not a theory. This is a real place. To perish means to be lost eternally. To perish means to suffer in misery for all of eternity. That's what our text means this morning. For for whoever believes in Him should not perish. And if you perish, it means you're going to a real place with real suffering. To perish this morning, as I move along quickly, to perish is to reject a person. This is so important for this world to understand. Some would say, I, I don't understand and I don't believe that God would send somebody to hell. I'll get to that in a moment. God sends nobody to hell. Man chooses to go there. For someone to perish, they've got to step over the love of God. They've got to ignore the love of God. They've got to refuse the love of God. Because God is a God of love. But He's also a God of holiness. and Sin can never be in His presence. For one to perish, they have to reject a person. Our text, John 3, 16, reminds us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel. The only begotten Son was born of a virgin. John 19, 30, When Jesus thereafter had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. John 3.16 tells us that God gave His only begotten Son. And I'm afraid for the one who would hold up a sign, which I'm not saying I'm against, the one who says that they know John 3.16, you really have to understand and give greater context to what God is saying in this verse of Scripture. Who is the only begotten Son? He is Jesus Christ. He is the only Son. And the Bible tells us that He was born of a virgin because He was the only begotten Son. John 19.30 tells us that He's been crucified, He's been beaten, and He's been nailed to that cross, and the sins of the world were placed on Him. He gets to the place in our text where He says, It is finished. It is done. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It's important for us to understand that he gave up the ghost. He gave up his life because man could not take it from him. Man does not have that power. He gave his life. That's what it means for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 Peter Chapter two, verse twenty-two says, "Who did, mentions speaking of Jesus? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth." Jesus died, never sinned. No sin was found in him. Second Corinthians five twenty-one: For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made him to be sin for us. That's greater context to John three sixteen. What does it mean? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, it means for us to know that he did not sin. He was sinless. He, was, he is God, but he was made sin for us. That problem that we spoke about in point number one, the sin problem, the problem that all of us have this morning, that problem of sin that will send us to that real place called hell. There is one, the Son of God, who knew no sin but took on our sins, thus dealing with the problem. Hebrews nine twenty six. For then must he have... He often hath suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. John 3.16 tells us to perish is a penalty. To be lost for eternity, that's the penalty. We, get, we understand that no man has to face that penalty. No man has to perish because of Jesus, because he was virgin born, because he knew no sin, because he went to the cross of Calvary, he gave his life. He made the sacrifice to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Oh, let the Spirit of God this morning connect the dots through Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. To perish is to be lost for eternity, is to have endless misery. But Jesus came, and and, and He came to pay the price of sins. Uh, He he gave His life, but Scripture reminds us uh, He is alive and is alive forevermore. And not only is He alive, He holds the keys to death and hell so that you and I don't have to perish so that you and I don't have to go to that place. That is, there is a real place called hell, and to perish means to go there forever. But you and I don't have to because of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded many times, if you've got your Bible open in John 3, look at me at the verse that follows, verse 16, verse 17. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Notice those last five words: "Through Him might be saved." You can be saved. You don't have to perish, but to be saved, you have to do it through Him. Not through a man, not through a church, not through a religion, not through a series of religious exercises, but simply through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is only one way, and it's through Him. So, Pastor, how is it that the Bible tells us some will perish because they reject a person? You don't have to join the Baptist church to be saved. Matter of fact, the Baptist church can't save you. Now, if you're saved, you got to join the Baptist church. I'll just throw that in there. But if you, you perish, hell, the rich man is still in hell. Why is he there? Because God's cruel? No, because he rejected a person. He's not there alone this morning. See, to accept someone or something else for your payment of sins is to reject Jesus Christ. To say, I, I accept, I believe Jesus, but I believe something in something else is to reject Jesus Christ. There is but one way to avoid perishing, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to perish? What does it mean to be lost endlessly for all of eternity? It means to reject a person. Fourthly and finally this morning, I'll say this, to perish is to refuse the plan. Hell's a real place. Sin's a real problem. But We have a loving God, don't we? In spite of the fact that there's sin, God is still a God of love. In spite of the fact that there's a real place called hell, God is still a God of love. And if you perish, you choose to perish today, or you perish for all of eternity. It's because you refused the plan that God had. This world is full of opinions. You may have noticed that. There's a lot of political opinions. There's a lot of opinions about how things should be done over here or things should be done over, over there. There's a lot of religious opinion. But can I tell you, the only opinion that matters is God's. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in my lifetime when discussing eternity with an individual that say, well, this is what I think. There's a big difference in this is what I think and this is what God has said. But in spite of the fact that sin is a problem, in spite of the fact that there is a real place, God has a plan so no man has to go there. So no man has to pay for their own sins. And if to, to perish this morning is to refuse the plan of God. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering dustward. Listen, not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. It's not the will of God for any man to perish. You say, why hasn't Jesus come back and called us all home? Because God is a a long-suffering God. And God doesn't want any man to perish. And how many in this world are lost without Christ right now? And if it all came to an end, they'd go immediately to a devil's hell. But God is not willing that any should perish this morning. If you're lost without Christ and you go to that place called hell... It'll be because you rejected the plan of God. It was never God's intent for man to go there. He's not willing that any should perish. What is the plan that you speak of, Pastor? There's many words in John 3:16 that we need to notice, a couple. Notice last week and this week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. You know why? I mean, we speak of hell this morning and perishing, and it ought to do something in the heart of every person here, even if you're saved. It ought to remind you what God saved you from. But it ought to remind you that men without Christ will die and go there. But you know why I don't have doom and gloom when people preach on hell, when people talk about hell? Because I am not condemned, because he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Acts 16, verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. John chapter three verse seventeen, we've already said is, we've already seen. The Bible says that through Him might be saved, not through the church, not through some man, not through some uh, finding God in nature, but through Him might be saved. John chapter fourteen <clears throat> verse six. Not only does God say, "I go to prepare a place for you," the Son of God says, in, 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 where I can bring you unto myself." But in verse number six, Jesus saith unto him, "I am the way." The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the plan. That is what we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. It's not when we think of the word perish that God is not a God of love. God is a God of love. That's why He sent His Son. And His Son has said, I am the way. Friend, you and I, that, that, that'll that make our hearts leap with joy that we didn't have to depend on man. We don't have to depend on our own works. We don't have to depend on some religious group. Only on the Lord Jesus Christ do we have to put our faith and our trust in him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've talked about death in Romans six 23. We've talked about that second death in Revelation chapter 20 in verse number 21. But friend, Jesus says, I am the life. And all those that believe on him and go through him have eternal life. But he says, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Let me be the voice of reality to one that may be listening this morning that thinks you're the exception. You're not the exception to what Jesus has said. Jesus said no man. He means no man. It doesn't matter their educational credentials. We see in Luke 16 it didn't matter the wealth of a man. It doesn't matter what what race they are, what nation they hail from. It doesn't matter if life has treated them unfair, it doesn't matter if they have religious training. It doesn't even matter if they believe this or not in the sense that they think there's another way. There's only one way to heaven. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved. That verse tells us that it's by the grace of God we're saved. This morning I could... Raised my hand with assurance, I can testify to you this morning that I'm saved by the grace of God. What does that mean? That means my sins have been forgiven. What does that mean? That means that the moment I take my last breath here, I'm not worrying about perishing. I'm just going to begin living at that moment. What does that mean? That means my sins have been are uh, washed whiter than snow. That means when God looks at my account, He doesn't see the sins of Greg Neal. He sees the the perfect, the perfect blood of the Lord Jesus Christ covers my sins. He sees His record. I didn't earn that, and neither did you. For by grace, God's grace. Because if God had given me what I deserved, I'd be perishing today. I'd be lost for eternity. But by the grace of God are you saved through faith. What is that faith? That verse continues to go on and says, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Through faith is believing on the only begotten Son of God. It's believing as I've already documented from Scripture This morning, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross of Calvary. He became sin, himself the sacrifice of sin, so a holy, righteous God could be satisfied, so that any man, for God so loved the world, that if anyone, any man, would believe on Jesus, believe through faith what Christ had done, and believe when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They would say, I know I cannot get to the Father. I know I am not worthy of heaven. I know there's nothing I can do because my good works are as filthy rags. But I believe in the plan that God has established that through the Lord Jesus Christ, I can be saved. That if one perishes, if one goes to that horrible place called hell, they do it out of the will of God. Because God sent His only for all. Matthew 25 41 reminds us of what will take place when God will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. No man has to perish. But you cannot fully understand, Christian, truly anybody this morning, you cannot fully understand the love of God if you don't take time to look at the penalty of John 3.16. It's a real penalty. To perish is to be lost for eternity. Might I interject right here? How can a Christian not serve God? How can a Christian not dedicate themselves? Yeah, one day, as was already heard sung this morning, one day for all of eternity... We are going to sing praises under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll have our glorified bodies. It'll all be about Jesus. But friend, shouldn't it be all about Him right now? I'm thankful that I'm saved and I appreciate the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. How can a child of God ignore what Christ has done for them? How can He not be grateful and say, whatever I have, you have how can a child of God in, in, in being reminded and oh, we, 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 we whistle because we're happy and we, we, get, we get a pep in our step, if I could put it that way, when we think of the love of God and what He did for us. But friend, we also need to be reminded that there are some who will perish if they don't trust Him and we ought to be compelled to, yes, speak of the love of God, but to give the love of God full context... We have to understand the penalty. Truly understand love. You must understand the perishing. It's not the will of God for anybody to perish. And this morning as we go to invitation, I'll close this way. If you're saved, this ought to be a good reminder to remind you what God saved you from. It ought to be a good Reminder. If you're saved this morning, I'll be a good reminder of what the mission of the church really is. It's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to tell a dying world, a world that is perishing, that there's hope, but it's through Jesus Christ. And while sometimes it's uncomfortable to do, sometimes you've got to say, no, that won't get you there. Only Jesus will get you there. No, your church membership will not get you there. Only Jesus will get you there. No, your quote-unquote good works, they will not get you there. Only Jesus will get you there. But friend, this morning, if you're lost, maybe you sit here today and your faith is in a church membership, I would be dishonest. If I did not say to you this morning. You keep your faith in that church membership as your payment to heaven. You will perish. Maybe your heart has deceived you into thinking that you're good enough. Or that certain parts of this Bible doesn't apply to you. I would be dishonest and unloving to not say to you this morning. If you do not accept Jesus and His payment, if you do not go through Him, you will perish. You will be lost for eternity. Friend, this morning, let's let the Spirit of God do business with us. I believe one great failure in the life of Christians is because we can quote 316. We've lost the appreciation, perhaps, of John 3.16. And quite frankly, and this ought to convict all of us, if 24 hours passes, and we don't say, God, thank you, we should be ashamed. Quite frankly, this ought to hit all of us. If we go 24 hours without looking for an opportunity to tell somebody about the Son of God so they don't have to perish, we should be ashamed. This morning, if you're lost, maybe you've never heard anything like this before, do business with God before it's too late. Put your faith in Him. It's the only way. It's the only way. Father, I pray this morning that you'll take the message May the Spirit of God use it.